0: We actually had an elders meeting yesterday, it was a good time, and uh, in that meeting we were looking at the future, who are we to be as a church, Um, and we wanted to really focus on what you might call the the cutting edge of Christianity or the world. The cutting edge is really to outreach to those who are unbelievers, to essentially uh, look at ourselves here as a, as a church plant, or in, in Queensland, a church plan. Um, <laughs> sorry, i do an interpretation to understand. <laughs> to focus on, on the gospel, to focus on outreach, to focus on the kingdom of God that's in, in action. Um, no doubt that COVID has changed the way we are as a church. Uh, in the present, we don't know what the future will look like quite yet it's kind of unfolding and then shutting up again at times, and, and I think we can expect that for the future. But we know that God's sovereignly ruling over this world. So he's in control of what's going on. And he's in control of his church, and this church, we look at the church of St. George, we look at the church of and Bandy, at Begonia. At the moment we're meeting in three different places, and that may remain into the future. We don't know how long the limits the lockdowns will be. We don't know if there will be more closures and openings. We don't know any of that. Mm. At the moment, uh, the Warrawee residents can't meet with us um, for obvious reasons, and there's a four square meter rule, a seven square meter rule, possibly a two square meter rule coming. And, uh, you need to know your maths, you? <laughs> you? need to know your maths. We've, we've ruled up, and there's 28 and 56 people we might be allowed, and we might be allowed 14 and 15 and 30. And, so on what I want to say is in this God knows exactly what he's doing I just uh, read from Ephesians 1 and I think we really really should, should hear this verse in the context of our lives it says in him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. He works out, I'll say that bit again, everything in conformity with the purposes of his will. Colin Buchanan sang a song. I don't know if you remember, you're all Colin Buchanan fans? Um, Nothing takes God by surprise. Remember that? Nothing takes God by surprise. Doesn't that? Oh no, what am I going to know about that one? What am I going to do about this? It uh, says, he is sovereign. He's in control. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The good bits, the bad bits in all of our life, no matter what happens to you, you can be sure God's always in it and Jesus will carry you through. Nothing takes God by surprise. That's, that's really important for us to know. God's in control of this world. The devil's not in control of this world. hasn't been given over to him devil can only ever do what God allows him to do anyway. And this world hasn't been given over to man either. Man's not in control of this world. They're not. We're not. Okay? God's in control of man. Man's not in control of God. God is sorry, man is subject to God's will. All the time. God is not subject to man's will. God is not stuck when we don't pray or don't do things right. God is free to do as he pleases. Psalm 115 says, He sits in the heavens and he does as he pleases. Isn't that good? Yeah. Yeah? Isn't that good to know that you can't stop God's will by getting it wrong? Yeah? That's That's good to know. God is acting. He's not waiting for us to act. He's cutting the ground in front of us. And so for us as a church, we feel a bit fractured bruised perhaps uh, there's a great hope because the one who's in control of everything is also the Lord of the Church Jesus is Lord of the Church and he has a good path before us, now it's this path that I'm going to talk about today, about our calling and our mission, and this doesn't matter whether you're really in St. George I can see there's even people in South Australia here so that's good Um, you're part of this, but I want to read from Acts uh, chapter 8 You'll have to follow along. We haven't got the words up today, but that's okay. I'm sure you'll be fine. It's a story uh, we also know well. It's it's in the early church. The church is just really getting going. It's Acts 8, verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes up from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on the way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. So the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to, ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice, for who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me please, Who was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled around preaching the gospel in the towns until he reached Caesarea. Now, God led Philip to this road, uh, to this chariot, and it just so happened that he was able to walk alongside when the the Ethiopian eunuch was reading from Isaiah 53, the passage all about Jesus. We preached on that a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? When we would say, God's in control of coincidences. But if you ever think about what it takes for everything to happen, for God to be in control of coincidences, you realise that God's in control of everything. Coincidence. One little thing, you know, sometimes we say, oh, I've got to i got a green light, God calls that. And you realise, there's thousands of cars and thousands of traffic lights. How does that work? And yet, God does things perfectly to the second. He's in control of every part of life. He's even, and this is the part we need to hear, He's even in control of those things that we say are bad. They're part of His plans and purposes. So this Ethiopian a eunuch. Why why a eunuch? Well, a eunuch as you know a man who's been castrated. Is because he was in control of the queen's uh, uh, money, and and to be a queen official, uh, any man's a threat to, uh, to to a queen. Uh, but if he's been castrated, he's not a threat in that way. That's why that would, that would have been so. But he's also a Jew, and he's been up to Jerusalem to worship. Yahweh, the Old Testament God, and then Philip explains to him, you know this is what you're reading about, this is Jesus, he's explaining the good news about Jesus, Jesus is the one who saves. The Ethiopian believes, that's quite a miracle, isn't it? He believes in Jesus, and then he asks to be baptised, and Philip doesn't. Now, I actually don't want to focus so much on that story, I will focus on bits of it, but I want to focus on Philip. Who was Philip? He, he's a man who appears. He's not the disciple Philip. This is another, another one. He appears in Acts 6. And what's happening is the apostles are getting stuck. They're, they're trying to do all that they're doing. They want to preach the word. And, and there's widows that need feeding. And they can't do it all. And that, so they set aside, um, I think it's six, six men, to distribute might be seven, I don't know, you can count them in Acts 6, um, to distribute food to the widows. So they, they and it says that distributing food to the widows, waiting on tables. So they have a food ministry. And they are kind of where people get the concept of a deacon or a servant. But it says of these uh, who, who were given this work, their qualification for ministry was this, full of the Spirit, and wisdom to wait on tables to distribute food to widows full of the spirit and wisdom that's the qualification so here is this bloke called Philip who's set aside to minister he's given a job he ministers, distributing food to widows and he's out led by the spirit proclaiming Jesus powerfully What place do you have in the church? What jobs do you get given? Some here, some there. Some of a bit spasmodic. Not a very organised leadership, you might say. Our rosters aren't quite sorted out at the moment. Uh, it's all a bit up in the air. Or maybe, you know, I've got the strong calling. I'm the one who cleans the toilets. Or I'm the one who does this. Philip had a strong calling, didn't he? he, he he well, he, had a, he, had a, he had a role. It wasn't his only role, was it? What I'm saying is this. We picture ourselves, and, and often the, the mistake we make, well, we can't help it really, is we picture roles chiefly with regard to a Sunday morning service. Yeah. Uh, w- which part of the roster, if it says a roster is generally about the Sunday morning service. Which part of the roster are you on for that? What, what part do you take? Which is very limiting. Because you see, we all have a part to play in proclaiming Jesus, to be led by God, to baptise. Well, we don't go too far, do we? What might you be called to? That, that's the question I want you to think through. Because we are qualified through Jesus to be like Philip, regardless of our role. Can you understand that? Do you believe that God might call you to do something quite, uh, well, what's what's that? Out of the normal, like this. Yep. Can that happen? Okay. We are qualified through Jesus. Every single person who's called to be a sheep is called to be a shepherd. Everybody has a part to play. And that part to play includes uh, what uh, that, that calling to proclaim Jesus in whatever setting we're in. Now we're all in different settings, aren't we? Some of us are farmers, and farmers meet with people on farms, mostly, don't they? Yep. And it, you might say, very very small sphere of influence. Well, it is a sphere of influence. There's people there. Do you understand? Uh, uh, all of us, uh, it doesn't have to be farmers. It, uh, some people uh, work at Warrawee. Different sphere of influence, different group of people we know. Yeah? Doesn't matter where we are, who we are. It doesn't matter most chiefly who we think we are. God puts His calling on our lives and on all of us. Can you understand what I'm saying? Okay, I, w- I want to go to um, 1 Corinthians. One, and we'll talk this through as we go. Because one of the most common things for us to think about ourselves is little old me, or has God really got a calling on my life? I'm just a small part of a big wheel, or, uh, or, or you know, um, I'm insignificant, I'm weak, I don't have what it takes. It's good for us to know that we don't have what it takes because we rely on God, the power of the Holy Spirit. But anyway, I'll I'll read from 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of the cross, of Christ crucified, the message of what he did for us, Are we banging on about that again? Are we talking about the cross again? Because surely as Christians we go on from that message, don't we? Do we? Because to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. As we are being saved, as Christians, the message of the cross is still the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. In other words, you know those smart people? I'm frustrating them. What with? The message of the cross? Because to the wise the message of the cross is like, whatever. We need something a bit better, a bit stronger. Do you understand? We need something a bit wiser. The message of the cross is it's like why do we keep going back there? Because it's the power of God for us who are being saved. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believed. Salvation came through the foolishness of the message and the preaching of the cross. But through the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of the world will never come to know God. It's It's not that sort of wisdom. And often what we do as a church is think, right, we're all got, we're saved by the message of the cross. Now we go on to this message, which is a message of glory, a message where we're great, a message where we've got it all together. And no, no, we are still with the message of the cross, and we need the message of the cross all the time. Can can you see that? If you don't, sorry, still don't thing. Yes, yeah, still got computer problems, but I'm going to go on. And uh, we're going to mute one of these. Yeah, I'm we're going trying to, to keep on mute. Yeah. Thank you. Now, um, where else are we up to? For since in the wisdom of the world, the world in its wisdom doesn't, did not know God, God was pleased through, what, through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. So there's some people out there who love miraculous signs. Show me a sign. We want the glorious church. We want the church that's happening. We want the powerful church. Yeah. Others look for wisdom. We want the wise church. The church is very smart. Got it all together. Yeah. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. In other words... The message of Christ crucified is going to be a stumbling block to those who want miracles and want the flashy church. They're going to actually say, I've had enough of this, I want something a bit more flashy. I want the action church. I don't want the message of the cross. Why? Because it's a message of weakness. And foolishness to the Gentiles. Haven't you got a bit more logical message? Look, have you ever think think of how amazing it is that Sometimes you can tell people about somebody who lived and died 2,000 years ago, who was crucified on a cross, and they can believe in that. That is a miracle, isn't it? Like who would who, and, and then put their trust in this bloke and serve him for the rest of their life and go worshiping him. I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? And always talking about weakness and servitude. And that's just, that's, that's, that's off the planet. We're foolish to the world. Or we create a church and a group of people who try and be like the world, but a bit better than the world. A better version of glory. Yeah, they've got money, but we can make more money. They've got, they know how to do good health, we do better health. They know how to do this, we know how to do better. We don't want a, ver- a better version of the world. We preach Christ and Him crucified. And that is a stumbling block to those who look for human glory. And it's foolishness to those who look for wisdom. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, that's from anybody, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. In other words, this foolish message of the cross is the power of God and it's the wisdom of God to this world. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Now that he's laid out the message of the cross which is what Philip proclaimed that day which changed his Ethiopian and now he's going to talk about the messengers. He's going to talk about us. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. I can relate to that. Not many of you were influential, powerful people. Some might be, but not many of you were. Not many were of noble birth, so maybe not in the kingly line. We come from Germans. They're famous for some things. Um, But God chose the foolish things of this world that's talking about people. People the world considers foolish. God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. How about that? We've got a place now, haven't we? He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before Him. It's because of Him that you're in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom from God. That is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. Can you see? Are are we weak people? Are we not influential people? Are we not noble people? Good. Who are we going to talk about then? Not ourselves. Who are we going to try and build up? We're going to proclaim Jesus. We're going to talk about him in every opportunity. We're not all about ourselves. We don't care about ourselves. It's not about our own human glory. It's it's actually not about us. There's no. We are the unglorious ones and good for that. Isn't it? I remember once, years ago, when I first went into ministry, they said, "Oh, what are your dreams and hopes? Do you want to go up the level and get a bigger church and end up with a big city? Oh, it's it's great wouldn't it be great because I could have thousands of followers on Facebook (laughs) woohoo I could be a Twitter (laughs) I've got Snapchat Um, is that what we want or is it actually okay to be a normal person in your normal sphere of influence with the people you work with in the hospital and take the place God's given you there and the relationships he's given you there and not can not look for human glory and human achievement and human success and human strength. Because when you do that, you stop proclaiming God. Who are you proclaiming? Yourself. You see, when we have uh, what's called people call a theology of glory rather than a theology of the cross, we're actually looking to lift ourselves up. We make out it's about God. We say this is all about God, but it's not. It's about ourselves. We're full of ourselves. And we want Human um, uh, acceptance and validation and all of that, whereas everything we boast in is Christ. And so we say, as Paul says in uh, two Corinthians four five, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Christ's sake. It's what the gospel does. We preach Christ as Lord and us as servants. It's not about glory. It's about Christ. So there's no boasting. We fit into God's plan. He doesn't fit into ours. He's not there to make us reach all our goals. We are there to do his purposes. We God <laughs> okay. Good. I'll keep going. We proclaim Jesus. We talk about Jesus. We glorify Jesus. We don't say... You see, sometimes what we think is, if we can be successful in this world, then people will look at us and say, and say, I want some of that so I can get some of that success. Yeah. It, here, I, he, here is the person who's made all the money, who never gets sick, who's, who's successful in every way. I want to be like him. What do you want in Christ? Or the world? Can you understand what I'm saying? That's what they want the world. Because, do you know, there are sick and weak and frail people in this world who proclaim Christ with great power. They do. Look at me, be like me. No, we'd miss the point if we like that. We boast in Christ and we are, we, it's not, we are weak and, and so therefore he makes us strong and we are all un, un, unglorious and he makes us glorious in the eyes of the world. We are happy with the glory of God. That's what we aim for, to glorify God. Um, for some reason, since we opened our YouTube account, we opened to the world then, and uh, a pastor in India started sending me messages. And he sent videos of some of the things he's doing. And he sent me another message. And, uh, but just, just picture this. An Indian pastor, he lives in poverty. He was born in poverty. Yeah. Uh, he was converted. He still lives in the same poverty. He ministers in that poverty. And COVID's hit. So what's he doing with COVID? He's asking for money so that he can feed the poor. Yeah. And he'll probably die in poverty. Preaching the message of the cross. And when the hardship and the sickness faces, what's he thinking about right now? Other people? How can I serve those? And he'll probably never have a car, you know that? Or an inner coil spring mattress. It's not about the glory of this world. We don't boast in ourselves, we boast in Christ. Can, Can you see that? We don't look to our own glory, we look to him, we are qualified by our weakness because as soon as we have anything in ourselves, we'll boast in it and not in Christ. But we bo- we are qualified by the Spirit of God who's in us. And so, this might sound a, a strange thing as we look at a church and being a church, it's a good thing to think small. If you start thinking small, instead of thinking about lofty visions, you might think about the person you're going to meet a bit later today and what you're going to say to them and to pray for that and to pray for them and to pray for the next person and the, the little things in life because that is where the kingdom of God is at work. Yeah. Because, you see, time and time again in in, um, in the Gospels, you know, the the disciples said to Jesus, no, 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 you're not going to die, you're not going to die that's not going to happen, you're not going to be handed over they wanted wanted what happened on Palm Sunday, we we often speak about that, they wanted the glorious riding, they wanted everybody worshipping, they wanted the Romans to be overthrown, what they didn't want is the weakness of the cross and they didn't want uh, the one who would go into the temple and overturn the the temples and say, this is actually about the relationship with God. It's not about this worldly glory. And it's not then he did all that so that later on the church could then have worldly glory. He did that so later on we could always be the kingdom of God at work, not beneath the service, having conversations with people, bring the little things. It's great to have a big church, don't get me wrong. It's, it's great for the church to gather. I'm not saying uh, that, we, that we should deny that what I am saying is that is not everything if it's about human glory it's about what we we each have a part like Philip who was basically a servant and he took on a, a, God's calling and he went out and he proclaimed Christ and you can say he did great things to an Ethiopian who we never heard of again and I don't know if we heard much about Philip ever again yeah disappear yep insignificant no not insignificant not at all we're probably never going to appear in any books not going to be an autobiography about me it be a pretty small story you understand but great things in the kingdom of God are not glorious things in the world I want to just point out one more thing and that is we are also qualified because we have the message of the cross. One thing which you, it's not necessarily you see, and we, we sometimes are blinded because sometimes what we look at the scripture is to find out what does it mean for me, rather than, if you look at the New Testament, and I've often said this, these books in the New Testament are about Jesus. That's what they're about. If you actually were to like, they're 90% about Jesus. And if you read in Acts, we read on Acts, you find out that all the disciples are out there preaching, like Philip. Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost and he preaches to 120 people, and by the end of the day, it's 3,000 people. Yeah? What does he preach about? Death, resurrection of Jesus. Jesus' lordship. Yeah? Um, then, later on, they, they healed a beggar on the way to, church, uh, on the, way to the temple, Sorry, and and uh, the crowd of onlookers were there. So what they do? proclaim Jesus to the crowd of onlookers, the people standing by watching. It. They proclaimed Jesus to the Sanhedrin when they were arrested and questioned. They, they proclaimed Jesus to 5,000 people in Solomon's colonnade all gathered together. But they also, Stephen did it to the temple leaders as he was being stoned. They proclaimed Jesus in homes, synagogues, in prisons, in ships, in storms, in the homes of Romans, to the Gentiles, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, to an Ethiopian who never heard of again. Can you see that? They they proclaimed, in the big, yes, in the small, yes, in every opportunity they had, but always they proclaimed Christ. That was always their proclamation. If you focus on the glory of this world, you will not want. If you proclaim the glory of this world, you can't go from there and proclaim Christ crucified. It's weakness. It doesn't work. It doesn't fit. Paul said, I was continuing on in in 1 Corinthians, I finished chapter 1. He says in chapter 2 When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. In other words, I didn't come because I was super smart. with the thing of Paul being you know, he might have been intellectual. I didn't come with that. I didn't come with eloquence, with superior words. Um, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. There's only one thing I wanted you to know about Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear. I was afraid when I came to you. And with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith may not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. So what does he want? He wants your faith to rest on God's wisdom, God's truth, Jesus Christ, and him crucified. And he came to the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Now that demonstration of the Spirit's power, I'll say it again. If, if ever a person today puts his faith and trust in someone who lived 2000 and died 2,000 years ago and was raised to the dead 2,000 years ago... That is absolute craziness as far as the world goes. That is a miracle. When we read John fourteen, it says John, Jesus says, "You'll do greater things than these." And we immediately think miracles, wisdom, glory. Right? That's the greater things, isn't it? I'll tell you what. A conversion is an incredible miracle. I don't think you can beat it because uh, Paul describes it uh, in Colossians as um, being rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. You are rescued, you are snatched from the devil's kingdom, from his dominion and brought to the kingdom of light. Now there's a miracle which brings a person that will be there forever, in eternity, that miracle happens, you understand? Eternal life. Human glory is so often described in the Bible like a the grass that withers, fades away, the dew that disappears as soon as the sun gets warm, it's gone. But this great thing, the great things that Jesus calls us to, proclaiming Christ and and what's going to happen out of that, this is awesome. And this is the work that the small people of this world are called to, which is you and me. Isn't that excellent? We're included in that. Normal people full of the Holy Spirit, full of the wisdom of the Spirit, proclaiming Jesus underneath a Father who is sovereign and ruling over all things. This is an awesome calling that God's given us. I'm going to pray. Father, I want to thank you for the calling you place in our lives. I want to thank you for the message you put in our hearts. And I want to pray... For all who listen to this message today. Give us boldness. Give us boldness to be ourselves. To be weak. To be normal people. And to proclaim Christ in the power of the Spirit. As we are. I pray that you would open our lips to speak. And Father, I pray that our hearts would be given only to knowing you and your son Jesus and the message of this cross. And, Father, that we would see the glory of the message of this cross and not seek the glory of this world, not seek what this world offers as if our hope might be there. Father, pour your spirit on us afresh that everything we have might come from you And all of our lives be given to serving you. And Father I pray that that would spill over into the service of one another. That we would give with all of our hearts. To those around us. And speak the name of Jesus. And I pray this in his name. Amen.